Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fade Route with D and Z. I am D. And we got a great show for you tonight. America's team exits the playoffs early. <laughs> TB12 advances. And a ref kicks a dildo out of the back of the end zone during the Bills Patriots game. But we'll begin today's show with the last of this with the last game of the Super Wildcard weekend, which oddly enough ended on Monday after the Rams blew out the Cardinals 34-11 in a game that was never really close. J.J. Watt, who played seven games, called the season a massive failure. <laughs> Z, how would you describe the Cardinals' season? Well, I wouldn't go with a massive failure just for the simple fact that the expectations weren't as high for the Cardinals as they were for the Rams. If the Rams lost this weekend, that would have been, as John Taffer likes to say, a catastrophic failure. Because there were so many expectations. There's so many all-stars on this team. There's so many pro bowlers that this was Super Bowl or bust. The Cardinals, they're a nice story. They're a rebuilding franchise. They're getting to where you they're getting to where you want to be, where you're a consistent out in the playoffs. You're a consistent performer. But in terms of in terms of getting there, it just showed that they're not there yet. Kyler Murray in particular, 19 to 34, 137 yards, two picks, not his greatest moment with that underhanded toss pick six from the goal line. Like, are you kidding me with that? No running game per se. They got stuffed. They got absolutely outplayed because the lights were on bright and the Rams finally played up to their potential. And Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford, 13-17, an efficient game, a very efficient game for 202 and two touchdowns. Got They got the running game going. This was a good job by the Rams. And as far as J.J. Watt goes, I'm going to cede the floor to you because I, I know how you feel about the rotting corpse of J.J. Watt. But honestly, dude, it... it it just wasn't your time. Your team's on the come. It's the Rams' time to shine. I mean, I was going to save it for our segment at the end of the show to really talk about J.J. Watt, but uh, I'm not sure how I want to feel about it yet. And I know I've had a couple of days to marinate on it, but I think Cliff Kingsbury had a strong message in the beginning of the year, and he wasn't able to carry that message out through the end of the year. Mm. And I think it's hard to get players to stay involved, to stay in it. I don't look at the Cardinals as a veteran team anymore now that Larry Fitzgerald's gone. Like, you know, Peyton Manning was saying during the telecast, you're in your own end zone. The guy hits you. You're 5'10". 
just go down. It's two points. It's not the end of the year. It's not the end of the world. You know, it's not the end of the season. No. You can get back from that. You know, then you're down 16. No, you decide to underhand it. It's like I saw Cliff Kingsbury's face. Like he's in shock. He's like, what? Like, why would you? Where on the field is this a good idea? It's definitely not on your own two. And it's definitely not when you're in the end zone. And we've um, just seen it before with Matthew Stafford. He did it right. earlier this season. Right. Right. And we saw what Carson Wentz do it. Are you afraid? Are you scared? Well, what What's going on there? Um, they were battling injuries all year. And yeah, every team battles injuries. You know, they, the Kyler Law missed time. James Conner missed time. Um, the Flash missed time. Hopkins, their best receiver, wasn't there. Um, I mean, you're down. You're down 21 nothing, and it's, I mean, you, didn't, you never even got a chance. Um, I honestly so, don't think DJ, I don't even think DeAndre Hopkins would have made a factor. I really don't think so. The way that the Rams just straight dominated the game. And, and Kyler Murray just looked, like you said, looked completely overmatched. Like he had no idea what he was doing out there. And the thing about it is, is like, that's how this Rams team is built, right? Like, this is their strength to be, have a lead, to let their pass rushers come after you. You, you played right into their hands. There was never even a chance. So, um, I wouldn't, I would, I'd call JJ Watt a massive failure, but <laughs> I'd call this, you know, just, this is what's to be expected. This is Kyler's third year, right? I think this is Cliff Kingsbury's second or third year. Um, this is, he needs to learn how to change your message in the middle of the season because they started hot. I mean, they lost to the Seahawks in the last game of the year. I mean, the Seahawks, they were terrible this year. And, you know, I, I wasn't very fond of the defensive game plan. And, uh, yeah, good riddance, honestly. Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking? Then CSB is the program for you. From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months, not years. CSB offers 8 and 16 week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm an alum myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB. Com. But I mean, that that was kind of the low end of the weekend, you know. But the NFL experimented with the two versus seven game this year, and uh, it seemed to fail. With both seven seeds getting blowed out, uh, down by three scores at some points. What were your takeaways from the Bucks versus the Eagles and the Chiefs versus the Steelers? Let's take it one game at a time. Uh, that Bucks game was not nearly as close as it ended up being. And even though it was 31-15, at no point did I feel like the Bucks were in any kind of danger. 
without Fournette, without Rojo, you're starting DeAndre, I mean, uh, Giovanni Briard and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. And that is your starting running back. Those, that's your tandem right there. And, you know, Tyler Johnson is getting, you know, getting catches. Brady was efficient in how he was able to do things, you know. 271, two touchdowns. They neutralized the run, which they definitely needed to, and they were able to. The leading rusher was Jalen Hurts, and we've said this a million times about the Buffalo Bills, and it applies equally to the Philadelphia Eagles. If your quarterback is the leading rusher, you got a problem. So that game in particular, there was, you know, there was just nothing going on. And towards the end, I remember I was on Twitter because we were I was updating the the fade route at fade route DNC. And Damian Woody had just posted like this little meme. It's like, we have another quarter to play. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. You know, it, it was almost like Rocky three or you know, Rocky four with Drago. Just like throw in the towel. It's over. Throw, he's dead. Throw in the towel. And as far as the Chiefs go, like, eh, this, it was, it was what we expected. You know, the Steelers were on some kind of farewell tour for Ben Roethlisberger. They got it. They jumped out ahead. You know, the Steelers were able to get ahead after the the TJ Watt fumble return for a touchdown. But then, you know, too much of everything for the Chiefs. Like, they actually had a pretty decent running game, a combined 106 yards. You're looking at Mahomes going off for 404 and five touchdowns. Travis Kelsey getting into the mix, throwing his first career touchdown. So, you know, you know it's, you know, Andy Reid's feeling good when he's busting out the trick plays. So, to me, 2-7, I don't know if you continue with the format. I suppose you do. But this might have been just a year of just a huge mismatch. I thought it was straight trash. Trash. I understand (laughs) the NFL wants another playoff game uh, to get in, and players want to get an extra playoff check. But the Eagles, Steelers are just not playoff games. Like they're not playoff teams. Um, by having two play seven, you're setting yourself up for watered down competition at the end. As a fan, I want to see the teams play at their best. Because of the two versus seven game, Tristan Wirfs is going to miss probably this weekend's game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs need to buy more fireworks because they play they 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 used all their fireworks against the Steelers this this past weekend. Huh. Uh if they keep the 7 seed in the playoffs then it, you know you're you're going to at some time at some point you're going to get sub 500 teams that make the playoffs. Who wants that? It's really just a way for the NFL to control the outcomes of the games. I really truly believe that. And you know, I think players were for this because they get that extra check and they get an extra playoff check. But at the end of the day, more is not always better. Yeah, because I've already heard people saying that, oh, add an eighth seed and then give the second seed the bye. I don't think that's necessarily the answer because if you look at this year, who would those teams be? It would be the Chargers. Okay, cool. That's fine. But then it would be the Saints on the other side. 
Do you really want the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs this year? Right. No, I'm in total agreement with you. They, the answer is less. Fewer fewer playoff teams. And going back the, to the format that we have had for years with the two buys, the top two seeds, and then three through six play it out. Like that gives you the most competitive, uh, the most competitive weekends. And, you know, if you do end up with a hot team making a run, as you've seen, like think about the Giants, right? The Giants were wild card and they went to the Super Bowl. So if you make it that far, chances are you're going to, you're going to rise to the occasion. But teams like the Eagles and teams like the Steelers, they didn't rise to anything. Like they, they, the Steelers felt in particular like they were just happy to be there. I don't know if the Eagles were intimidated by the moment since rookie head coach, second year quarterback, so on and so forth. I don't necessarily think they expected to be in. So I, I don't know if they were just intimidated by the moment or if they just got outclassed by the Bucks. Because you know what? It's easy to get outclassed by the Bucks. They have an all pro at almost every position. So it, it kind of is what it is in that regard. I mean, if the whole goal is to play more games, right? Uh-huh. What if you just, you know, let's do this. Let's go back to the old format. You know, top six teams get in. And this year we add in an extra regular season game, right? Yeah. How about, you know, everyone's got a hard on for getting rid of the preseason. Okay, let's get rid of the preseason. There is no preseason. But you're playing 20 games. Yeah. You play 20 games and veterans, anybody with three or four more years of service it's up to them if they want to play in the first four games. And you have expanded rosters for the first four games. And then every week for the first three, the first four weeks, you got to make cuts. And that way, if you're a terrible team like Jacksonville, you're taking the preseason really seriously. Or you're taking the first four games really seriously because this is your chance to win some games. And if you're a team like the Patriots, the Buccaneers, or the Rams, and you're like, ah, you know what? We got... We know we're going to be okay. Let's just test things out the first four weeks and go for that. And that way, all the games count. Everybody's making money. And you're able to evaluate talent. What's wrong with that? No, absolutely. Because you you know that those that the younger teams, the rebuilding teams, they will, they will let their position battles carry through. They'll right. let their talent evaluation crew just see what they have. Absolutely. And, and the first four games can't be division games no 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 absolutely not because that would mess with the competitive balance too because all of a sudden week one you have a a new york jets team going in against the patriots two teams going in the same in same division but going in totally opposite directions in terms of philosophies yeah that that's gonna be a that's gonna be as bad of a blowout as we've seen in these games like like we saw, it's just not going to be right. competitive whatsoever. Season, season starts in August. First game's in August. Yeah. And then division games start in September. And that's really the kick. I wouldn't say it's really the kickoff of the season, but this is when, you know, your rosters are cut down. You have your team. Hopefully all your injuries are out of the way. That's the other thing. It gives you another month worth of, you know, protection. So if you do have a guy like Travis Ntn who goes down in the second game of these of the preseason well now he can still come back in December or 
you know, if if um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who got hurt in the preseason, he's got a chance to come back in December. Where a team like, you know, the Patriots might be coasting at that point, they're still trying to play for wins. I don't know. I think it's I think it's worth a shot. Better than this two versus seven trash. No one, nobody wants to see that. But um, it was good to see. I guess if you're a fan base, if you're from the Eagles, or if you're a fan base of the Steelers and you want to see them play one more time, you know, I guess it was nice that you got to take part in the weekend. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Pop Stars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Pop Stars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top notch. Westchester Pop Stars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Pop Stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. But uh, there were two games that officials had a part in this weekend. And by a part, I mean they had a part in a compelling part of the games. <laughs> <laughs> Early whistles in the Bengals and Raiders game led to questionable Bengals touchdown. Uh, quarterback Joe Burrow, uh, he was running out of bounds the ball to the back of the end zone. T. Higgins jumped up and caught the ball. But shortly after Joe Burrow going out of bounds, the whistle blew. Caused everybody to maybe slow up and stop a little bit. But T. Higgins caught the ball. They called it a touchdown. And we carried on from there. What were your thoughts in the early whistle and how the NFL addressed it after the game? By rule, as we know, and as it was very adamantly explained, that's a dead ball. As soon as the whistle blows, it is dead, you replay it. Period. End of sentence. Where you lose me is trying to go on the field and try and correct it. But a rule is a rule is a rule. You, you have it on the books for a reason. And Jerome Boger's crew totally foobarred that. You then all you had to do was know the rule book. And as a ref, and as linesmen, and as back judges, that's your job. Your job is to know the rule and not blow the fucking whistle inadvertently before the play is over. That is your job. You had one job. One. And it took away. It marred a good game. You know, Burrow had Joe Burrow had a decent game, not earth shattering, but he wasn't going to be able to sustain that thousand yards in two games kind of pace. But he did enough to win. Mixon didn't have his best game, but they did enough to win. And the Raiders, you know, they have a legitimate gripe. They got jobbed out. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, 
this is what we need replay for, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm tired of the current replay format. If there's a part of the game that's done incorrectly, then let's have the Sky Judge come in and rule on it. We've had it happen a number of times in the playoffs over the weekend, even last weeks of the season, where a play was clearly incomplete or there was clearly a completion. And rather than a coach race the challenge, the Sky Judge goes, no, it's a catch, move on. No, it's not a catch. Tell him to shut up and let's keep going. That should be what replay is. I don't want to hear about coach having two challenges. If they get those two right, they get a third challenge. Like, why are we trying to make sure that only a certain parts of the game are correct? Like, let's make the whole... Like, if if the plan is to do this right and get this right, then let's get this right. Uh, and, and, it, and, oh, you can only challenge certain. That's not reviewable. Stop. Stop. This was a clear call for the Sky Judge to say, no, Jerome, you blew the whistle. The play is dead. Start over. That's it. Instead... They let it continue. The touchdown counted. And, of course, the Raiders lose by a touchdown. Right? Of, of course, it's the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's not it, – it wasn't the Steelers. It wasn't the Chiefs. It wasn't the Bills. It was the fucking Raiders. And then the worst part is, is you come back and you try to defend it saying that the whistle happened after the catch. No, that's not true. We all heard it. Everybody there heard it. I'm not saying that that defensive back would have made a play on the ball. I don't think it really changes the outcome of the game. But, guys, if the point of this is to get it right, then let's get it right. I'm okay with human error on holding and pass interference. Things that are more judgmental, I'm fine on. But if the ball hits the ground, it's incomplete. If the ground causes a fumble, it's not a fumble. If a quarterback crosses the touchdown line, it's a touchdown. If the whistle was blown before the play ended, and then the play is dead. Like, there's no argument on that. And I don't understand why this is so hard. And unlike, and you know what, just to cross over for a second into baseball. It's like baseball is the baseball is the one sport, right, where they can actually use replay to get everything right. Like, you don't, you don't need, we don't need an umpire anymore. We literally can watch TV and know what a strike is and know what a ball is. We have Quest Tech to tell us what what strikes and balls are. You want to put the umpire back there and let him call the balls and strikes that the computer tells him to call? Then let's have at it. But think about it. You eliminate arguing. You eliminate the bullshit from the umpire if he's having a bad day, if he can see, if he can't see. All that stuff goes out the window. And that's the other part. It's just like, there's going to be human error in this thing. And if you're not going to be able to live with that human error, then let's get it right. My main gripe with replay is the selective reviewability. Like, what is or is not reviewable based on the rules? It should be all or nothing. That has been a bugaboo of mine for years, and it continues to be. You have a chance, like you said, you have a chance to get it right. You can get every play right. What pro- what the problem is, is that baseball, football, even basketball, getting to the point where we don't want to make that, make that happen because we don't want to lengthen the game. Well, 
then you need to figure out a way to penalize teams for doing that. So, you know, if it's going to be all, if everything's on the table, then there has to be a consequence for this thing. If you request, if you request a review and you're incorrect, you're penalized. I, I don't know. They need to come up with something because what we have right now is not working. Plain and simple. And I'm just glad that the Saints weren't in to get victimized again. Because that would have been how many years in a row that something happened with the referees and the Saints that sure. you know led to like the pass interference thing when they started when they started throwing flags oh. when they started challenge flags for pass interference. Like so stupid. that that led to something. But I get the idea. I get where the intent was on that. You want to get it right because that call was so egregiously bad. But Sky Judge, uh, eh? Sky Judge, That's XFL it. had it right, or the AF, the AF had it right. <laughs> oh, the AF. Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at SweetLifeBrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. SweetLifeBrownieCo, because there's always room for a brownie. So in the second game, the Cowboys ran a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left in the game from midfield and no timeouts. Rather than give the ball to the ref, Dak Prescott gave the ball to his center. So after after the play was over, uh, come come down, they realized they need to give the ball to the referee who needs to spot the ball. The ref trips over the center, trips over the Cowboys, can't put the ball down quick enough. Naturally, time expires. Who does this loss fall on? Oh, but first and foremost, how about them Cowboys? But, um, I don't know, it's, it's all foobarred from the beginning, you know? You have 14 seconds left. You have no timeouts. Who calls a quarterback draw? Who calls a quarterback draw? That is like the... Do- you can call because why? They're going to give you the middle of the field. They're going to say, take it. Take it. Take all the yards you that's want. When you're supposed to, that, that's when you're supposed to look over the sideline like, Kellen, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Right, okay, I'm just going to call my own play. I'm just going to call my own play. Right. If Kellen Moore calls that, then that's on <laughs> Kellen Moore. Dak Prescott 
if you're any kind of quarterback worth your salt, you are checking out of that play at the line. You're like, yeah, I heard that. We're not doing it. And then, yeah, no. Seriously. Like, playing and stuff, that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. We're not doing that. And on top of that, it compounds itself with Dak Prescott giving the ball to the center rather than the umpire because the umpire's got to set it and you know the rules. You're not a rookie. You're not a rookie. So this falls on Dak Prescott and then after the game, it continues to fall on Dak Prescott because in the press conference, he kind of intimated that Green fans throwing garbage at the refs. Dude, the only thing garbage was your performance in the last 14 seconds. The play call was wrong. The execution was wrong. Everything was wrong. And it falls on you as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, for me, it falls on everyone. It certainly doesn't fall on the ref because the ref was just trying to do his job. You, you, try sprint, you try sprinting 25 yards in 15 seconds to go set, go spot a ball. Yeah, and then squeezing between the, the center and Dak Prescott, trying to get the ball, put it down. I mean, it's definitely not his fault, but I think it falls on everybody. I think it falls on everybody, right? It falls on Mike McCarthy for, for terrible clock management again, you know, and for having such an undisciplined team. 14 penalties in the game, eight of mm. which resulted in a first down for the 49ers. They led the, and the Cowboys led the league in penalties this year. How about Dan Quinn letting Debo Samuel and one-handed Jimmy G put on, hang 20 points on them, man? Where was this great Dallas defense that we saw all year? That Prescott, terrible throws. Not knowing the rules, you don't know that the ref got to put the ball down, dude. You don't practice this on Fridays in the two-minute drill. Get the ball to the ref. What are you guys doing? Don't tell me Mike McCarthy doesn't know that because I know he does. Because Aaron does it. <laughs> Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, not telling Dak to start his slide with ten seconds left to maybe give them a chance. You want to call the draw? Call it, but say Dak, you got to start getting down at ten seconds. You got to get down so we can spike the ball. Hey, Dak, remember, give the ball to the ref when you get, after you get down. Don't give it to the fucking center. The fuck is the center going to do? He doesn't even know where to put the ball. You realize he did that? He gave the ball to the center, and the center had no idea where to put the ball. Yeah. Well, Dak, I don't know. Where the fuck did you go down? <laughs> I Yeah, I have no idea what the hell Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott was doing in those last 14 seconds. It was everything that was wrong and everything that is indicative of the Dallas Cowboys. They're they're great world beaters when there's nothing on the line. But the moment that there are legitimate stakes, they fold like a cheap suit. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't... You know, they were talking about this on the radio today. And they were just talking about how, how good of a quarterback Dak Prescott is. Like, he's... Like, he had a good year. Not a great year, but a good year. You got Zeke Elliott. You got a $100 million receiver. You got $60 million, you know, defensive lineman. Why aren't you able to do better? What? Where Where? Where are we not connecting the dots? Right. I, I, I don't know. Uh, this was their... Not, this, was a, this was probably their best chance to win a championship. 
I don't think their window's closed, but they got some decisions to make as far as contracts are concerned with Lawrence, Cooper, etc. But, um, you know, Zeke's going to get older. Zach's going to get older. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, but where, where, where's the disconnect? I, I don't know where it is. I don't know what, I don't know what the flaw is in this team that they have Jimmy G and the 49ers come into their house and beat them. Well, for starters, the defense is predicated on takeaways. That is really what was their calling card all year. Trayvon Diggs in particular, where was he? He didn't show up. Like late, I would argue that Leighton Vander Esch was probably their best defensive player on Sunday. And you know, Randy Gregory completely undisciplined. How many times? How many times was there? Did he have a, a neutral zone infraction? Like I yeah, get and your de- job and is to de- get and defensive holding. Yeah, defensive defensive holding on that defensive line. No, what the hell are you guys doing? I don't know. Quinn's not teaching her to play like that, man. I think the disconnect is in talent evaluation. They clearly think too highly of their players. And that falls on the GM. And who's the GM? Oh, it's also the owner. Hmm. And I think this is really an issue of him not listening to the right people. Like, he's brought in plenty of talented guys. But for whatever reason, they cannot get over the hump so maybe they're not as good as you think they are because you got rid of Jason Garrett he had to be the problem right you brought in Mike McCarthy they're still not winning oh you know Romo's gone because it goes all the way back to Romo Romo's gone Dak is in he must have been the problem right no you know oh we're gonna bring in Amari Cooper you know, we're going to bring a, in a big receiver like C.D. Lamb. We're going to bring... No. it's It boils down to talent evaluation. And these guys are not as talented as you think they are. Because they're not getting the job done. And that ultimately falls on Jerry Jones. Because he's the one he's the one picking the players. McCarthy's job is to coach them up. And honestly, I don't think Mark, Mike McCarthy's doing a great job. I don't see how you can. But, you know... Like there's, like you said, it falls from the top on down, and there are many, many people who can take the blame for what happened on Sunday. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. But another thing that happened was the Buffalo Bills routing the Patriots 47 to 17 on Saturday night. And they won two out of their last three meetings against the Pats. So 
what do the Pats need to do to get back on top of this AFC East? Oh, it's hard to say, really, right? Because they finished the season as like the number two scoring defense, and their offense was solid all year. I don't think I don't think Bill Belichick has fully figured out Josh Allen yet. Mm. Um, I think they need to replace Dalton Hightower. Saw him shy away from a couple of tackles uh, on Saturday. Um, I think they they need a new Mike linebacker. Um, I think the McCordy twins. I think it's time for them to be replaced. Um, but you know, Allen, he's just a tall, tremendous. He's got tremendous arm talent, and he might be hard to stop for the foreseeable future for the Patriots. I mean, he's a big guy with a cannon for an arm, and he's super mobile. So that's definitely a recipe for disaster for most defenses. And I don't, Bill Belichick actually tried to throw money at the problem, right? He brought in Hunter yeah. Henry. He brought in Jonu Smith. He brought in Matthew Judon. Like that, that seems like very anti-Belichick. Like, oh, we're just going to throw money at the problem and see if we can fix it. And he wasn't able to do it. He put together a very good squad, but they weren't there yet. And like, as far as the Patriots getting back on top of the AFC East, I think they're in, they're going in the right direction. I mean, you can't argue with that because they've got their young quarterback. Yeah, you can say he doesn't have arm strength that Tom Brady does. And you can say that he, you know, he's a vanilla player. I'm looking at you, Rex Ryan. You know, at the end of the day, as a rookie quarterback, he navigated this team to the playoffs. He led them there. So there's some kind of intangible to that that makes me think that Mac Jones has a very bright future. You got to put the pieces around him. More seasoning will help. I mean, granted, it, it, you know, the lights were on brighter. And he's not, you know, Mac Jones isn't unfamiliar with playoff pressure because, you know, he, he went to this little place called Alabama. You may have heard of it. So he definitely has experience, but now he's got the taste of it in the pros. There is a big difference between the college game and the pro game. Now he's gotten the taste of it. And Bill Belichick is the right guy in his ear. That's the one thing. He's got the coach in his ear who will motivate him to be better. And this team will be better, I think, with just a few minor tweaks on defense. I think it'll be fine. If you want to get another wide out, I think that would be a good addition too because tight end is fine. You have a good backfield in Harrison Stevenson. You probably need some more wide receiver talent, but I mean there are there's small tw- small tweaks that'll keep them competitive. But this is just Buffalo's time right now, and I could see them trading the division for like the next five years. It's definitely doable. What's the deal with the Buffalo fans throwing dildos in the end zone when the Patriots score? That's a great question. I, I didn't even notice it at the time. And then I saw it on replay. I'm like, what is that? I'm like squinting. I'm like, did somebody <laughs> did somebody lose a towel? I'm like, that's an odd-shaped <laughs> towel. It's a big towel. That's a, that, that is a big and oddly shaped. Oh, my God. 
And Kendrick Bourne pointed out to the ref, I don't know what he wanted the ref to do about it. He didn't throw a flag. I'm not touching touching it. I'll kick it. I'll kick it out. <laughs> but, yeah, that that was interesting. And then the one of the the other thing that was interesting for for me anyway was Ryan Fitzpatrick in the was stand. there. He was that was he doing? it over his shirt. It's fantastic. Ryan Fitzpatrick Very. is a national treasure. Very but fitting. Very it was fitting. such a weird ass game between the dildos and the blowout and Fitzy. <laughs> I'm like that. For the, the hell is going on in Buffalo? They brought the entertainment. If anything, they brought the, they had the most entertaining game for the stuff that wasn't happening on the field. Well, okay, well, switching gears to basketball. Um, Kevin Durant sprained his MCL throughout the next four to six weeks. Um, Nets are not very healthy right now, but does that matter? At the moment, no. But long term, it definitely has an impact because you're still in the midst of this issue with Kyrie Irving, right? Kyrie, even though Durant is hurt and his team could use him for all the games, still sticking by his gun. But it's definitely... It's definitely going to bode negatively for them because right now, right now, they're sixth in the league in points per game. That's great, but that's with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's averaging 29. So you take 29 away. I mean, who's stepping up? Is it Lamarcus Aldridge? Is it you know Paul Millsap? Is it uh, Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin? Uh, Take your pick. Like, I mean, what, what are we doing here? You know, are, are these guys, you know, is it going to be Nick Claxton? Is it going to be Bruce Brown? Is You know, they have so many options that, you know, they can spread it around and they can still be okay for a short term. But if this goes longer and you have to rely on guys other than James Harden, it's definitely going to be you know, more problematic, especially as these guys, as we've noted, like they're a little bit long in the tooth. They're a, they're a little bit older. There's more tread on the tire. So even if they're fresh, I mean, how fresh are they going to stay? Yeah. Um, I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I just, all they really need to do is get into the playoffs and, I'm sure, I mean, I know Harden's hurt, but I'm sure he's not going to let them go below an eight seed. I mean, we're not talking about the Nets like we're talking about the Lakers. Um, they have tons of talent. They should be able to make it out. They should be able to make the playoffs. And then once they get in the playoffs, it's a completely different ball game. I mean, I don't usually say things like this, but Kevin Durant might be the best player on the planet right now. Like you said, he's averaging 29 points a game, 7.4 rebounds, 5.8 assists. Like, and he's a sneaky good defender. Like, he's got that tall length to them. And uh, he's just he's just so talented. Uh, and his dribbling and his shooting, I think he's shooting over 50% from the field, 38% from three. But all that, I mean, he's, they're still, they're still going to make the playoffs. Now, are they going to be able to beat a team like the Bucks? I don't know. 
I mean, you're going to have to be really healthy to be to be able to compete with some of these Eastern Conference teams once the playoffs start. No, absolutely. And, I mean, you still have the opportunity at the trade deadline to kind of revamp this team and kind of reimagine it if you're finding that Kevin Durant's rehab isn't where you need to be. And if that means you build it around James Harden for a little bit and kind of reshuffle the deck chairs, then that's what you have to do. And Sean Marks is definitely one of those guys that, you know, he's done it and he's, you know, he's earned his stripes in this league. And I think that they will be able to stem the tide for sure. But if they do fall, to the seven or eight seed, right? Imagine that. You know, you're the Bucks. You are you're the number one seed, and you draw the Nets in the first round. That was supposed to be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, and now it's a think, first round. I don't think the Bucks will care though. They're the defending champions. I don't think they're gonna care. I think they think they're better than the Nets. I don't think they scare them, especially if Kyrie's not playing in every game. I don't think they're scared. I don't. I really don't. No, I, I I don't think the Bucks are scared, but that's definitely a tougher. The NBA, the NBA might be upset about that. <laughs> no, that's for sure. They are definitely they're they'll definitely be concerned in that regard. But I mean, you're you know you're seeing dollar signs at that point. You're gonna oh, this is gonna be our main event matchup, and next thing you know, it's it's a first round knockout. And it's like, you're just tanked. Especially, it's a double whammy because of how the Lakers are performing. Because the Lakers, there's no guarantees for them. And then having the Nets kind of, like, peter out. Like, that would be disastrous for the NBA in terms of ratings. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. It's the end route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to be part of the action? Want to be the newest member of the in crowd? You know what to do. Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs on faderoutepodcast on IG or hit that Twitter, faderoutednz. on the in route today we have giant fan and giant season ticket holder danny butler welcome to the show danny thanks for coming on my pleasure guys thanks for having me good to talk to you guys how's everything oh you know a little this a little that living the, living, the, living the dream huh every day every That's day it, and twice That's on it. sunday there you go all right we'll, we'll start you off with this we know firsthand about your passion and knowledge of the game of football so we have to ask you at what point did you know joe judge was not the guy you know what? It, I'm still not convinced he, he's not the guy. I mean, I, I can't argue for them firing him. It, it, it makes all the sense in the world. After last year, I was so high on Judge. You know, got off to a rocky start. They really rallied. The team played hard for him through injuries. I was very high on him. Like, for, for the bottom to fall out like this, I, I mean, 
I'm still kind of in shock over the whole thing. Numb would be the word, you know? Well, wow, so you were you were in his camp. You were on his side. You were kind of defending him, saying, you know what? Let's give this a whirl. Let's give it a try. We can make this work. You you had his back for most of the season? From For most of the season, up until the end. I mean... And I, I think I think Giants ownership had this back, especially John Mara, until the end. You know, the, the, the last couple of press conferences were just a little off the wall. It sounded like a guy begging for his job, a little desperate. And I mean, I know we had a lot of injuries, but the last couple of games it was just ugly. It was, it was unwatchable. You couldn't you couldn't watch him. And yeah, I think co- and I quarterback think, sneaks on your side of the field. <laughs> exactly. Like, and you know what's weird? The the first quarterback sneak on second and twelve from your own two. I almost understand. All right, let's get two or three yards. We'll set up a, th- a third and more manageable. But then you have to throw the ball. To do it two in a row, it, it, it looked like you were giving up. And, like, and nobody's, nobody's going to blame you. If Jake Fromm throw, throws a pick six there, he's Jake Fromm. Nobody's going to blame the coach for it. He wound up doing it later in the game anyway. So what's the difference? It, it, the perception was he gave up, and I think that's what caused him to job ultimately. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, but uh, John Mara, president, CEO, co-owner of the New York Giants, with the retirement of Dave Gettleman, the dismissal of Joe Judge, some have called for John Mara to resign and to choose somebody else to be president. Do you share those same beliefs? I, I, I mean, I'm very down on John Mara to it the last four or five years, obviously. It, it's, it's pie in the sky thinking. I mean, his whole life is a giant. It's, the, the Mara's whole life is a giant. That's their business, you know. So I, you might want Mara to go, but he's never going anywhere, so I don't think there's really any point to do it I, I think finally he sees that he needs to change the way he does things go outside the organization outside the quote-unquote giant way which hasn't worked the last five years obviously so yeah it's just interesting you know because with the Cowboys they're always asking Jerry Jones to kind of like step apart step aside like let football people run this entirely so I can understand why some Giants fans are starting to feel the same way with John Mara, but I can also see how he's he's got a lot of pride. It is his life. It is it is his family. It's everything they got. I don't see him doing it either. But I wondered if you thought it could be beneficial if he did. It it, it certainly could be. He, I don't want to put him in the same camp as Jerry Jones, where Jerry's making the decision. Mara's making the decisions of what football people to put in charge, and I think he's 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 gotten too comfortable. Like if he he's putting people that he feels comfortable instead of the best person for the job. And I think finally after this last disaster, I think he's ready to go outside the organization and maybe do something he's maybe not totally comfortable with. God, I hope so. Uh, but, yeah. but, but since Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge are now gone, what should the Giants do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley? It, it's, a, it's a tough spot. I mean, it, injuries have really hurt both their careers so far. I think you have to let them play through the, you know, their fifth-year options here. Their trade value is very low. Yeah, I think I think you got to roll. You got to roll the dice. You hope you hope they're both healthy. You hope the team improves. I I, I don't think you could sign either of them to a long-term contract right now. If they do have a good year next year, stay healthy. You can always franchise one of them. You can always try to work something out. I just I, I think yeah, just they kind of stuck for this year anyway. But you know, I, I'm not sold on Daniel Jones yet. I I think he's good i think he has the ability to be a, a, a very good quarterback and you know saquon is he's a special talent but the injuries are really starting to take a toll you know it's it it, it, it it's it's it is a tough decision but i think they're kind of stuck in this this fifth year option just roll just roll the dice uh so 
last week and this week, we continue to see coaches and GMs getting fired. Is there a coach or GM combo that you'd like to see on the Giants next season? You know, I'm very interested in Flores. I don't, you know, I, I don't think Miami should have should have fired him. I understand the problem down there was he wanted uh, Herbert and the, the general manager wanted Tua, and he's been reminding everybody that since. So I, I, I guess that's why they fired him. I'd be very interested in Flores. GM-wise, I know they have they brought back three guys as uh, they appear to be the finalists. Joe Schoen from the Bills looks like to be the front runner. You have uh, Adam Peters from the 49ers and Ryan Poles from the Chiefs. I'd be happy with any of those guys. I think they're all good football guys, and you know they don't have those direct ties to the Giants, which I think we need to get away from. You know, like yeah. Gettleman had yeah. Gettleman had previous experience with the Giants. I think we need to get get someone out of, from outside the organization that's a little fresh. I would say. If, if they go with Schoen from the Bills and then Brian Dayball, who's the offense coordinator, that seems like a good fit because Dayball actually interviewed for the Giants two years ago before Judge got the job, and I, I understand they were high on it. So if I, I guess I have my pick right now. I, you know, you follow the, the Bills blueprint, get the GM, get the offense coordinator coach. They also try to hire Dayball as Judge's offensive coordinator, but the Bills, you know, denied that request. So yeah, I mean, Dayball's been around forever. He spent yeah. time with the he spent time with the Patriots. He spent time with the Jets. Right. He's with the Dolphins. He's been everywhere. I heard that they interviewed uh, Quinn today. Dan Quinn. What do you think of Dan Quinn? Yeah, you know, I, I I think he's a great defensive coordinator. I don't think he can hire Quinn as another head coach. He is a guy who, when he you know coached one of the greatest defenses ever, the Legion of Boom. And he sat there in that Super Bowl and but he's a defensive coordinator. He was not in charge. He watched the stupidest decision ever. Pete Carroll <laughs> throw, throwing a slant. I know you're a quarterback, so you probably like you probably like him throwing the ball there. But you know, <laughs> trust me, I'm an offensive lineman, as you remember. Run the ball, feed Marshall and Lynch. So he had to sit there and watch that stupid decision. And then a couple years later, now you're the head man in charge. You have a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, and you let your offensive coordinator, Kyle Shan, at the time, throw the ball all over the field in the second half, and you do nothing to stop it. They could have they could have taken a knee every possession in that Super Bowl and probably won in the second half and probably won the game. So I really want no part of Dan Quinn. I'm sure he'll get another job, but I, I want no part of Dan Quinn. I also like Spielman, the GM from the Vikings. You know, a lot of people were surprised that he got canned. I really like the team he built in Minnesota. I'm not a big fan of the coach. I never liked Zimmer. But as far yeah, as Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, I mean, the Cousins deal was a little out there. But, I mean, Cousins is a competent quarterback. He built that defense with Kendricks. And uh, he got Anthony Barr to stay. I thought he put together a decent team in Minnesota. They do. They they have a lot of talent. Yeah, they, they underachieved. That, that's for sure. And a lot of that has to do with Zimmer and uh, Cousins. Cousins is one of those guys. Like he's gonna have four or five games where he looks he looks great, and then he's gonna have four or five where he looks he looks terrible. You know, he's. But that's how the NFL is now. If, if you have a quarterback that's capable, you got to throw a ton of money at him. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean. The thing about Cousins is he's just he's good, right? It's you know he's he's got what I think he finished the year with like 26 touchdowns, something like five interceptions. But you know he's he, he's not the flashy guy. You know he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna win you games. He's gonna keep you in games. And, and some people say that's good. Some people say that's bad. But I did like the job Spielman did there. Um, but moving on, the Giants have two picks in the first round next year, which is awesome. So what do you see the Giants doing with those picks? Well, I think I mean we've been saying for five years now we have to finally fix the offensive line. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a disaster and it has been for a while. Like I th- people are hard on Gettleman for that. 
I mean, Gettleman tried. It just didn't work out. They, they signed Nate Soldier. They threw a ton of money at him. He was past his prime. And, yeah. you know, and so that didn't work out. They draft Will Hernandez in the second round. They thought he was going to be, you know, a, a Pro Bowl caliber guard. He's been a disaster. So you, you got to go offensive line, whether it's, you know, Evan Neal looks like he's the hot one right now. I don't know if he'll last the five. I mean, I know it's still early before the combine and everything. But you, you got to go offensive line, whether it's it's Neal, it's the tackle, uh, uh, I forget how to say his name. The kid from yeah, NC State. Nobody, nobody can say his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I would like Tyler Limbaugh, the center from Iowa. I know it's tough to take a center in the top ten, but we, yeah. we need we need to fix the interior. The left tackle, Andrew Thomas looks like he's going to be the real deal. He looks like he might be a foundational piece at left tackle. So, you know, I, w- I would love to do what the Jets were able to do back at you know, in the 2000s, when they had two picks, when they took uh, the Brickishaw and Mangold, and then had two Pro Bowlers for the next ten years, that that would yeah. be the dream if you if you could do that. It we seems also... like, yeah, it seems like it's been like the Cowboys' blueprint too. I mean, they they seem to always be able to draft offensive linemen or sign them for dirt cheap, and, yep. and they just wind up being Pro Bowlers. I mean, they, their line was so solid for the last five years, you know. It really was. Like, you know, I, they're all kind of maybe getting old at the same time. Yeah, they're, they're not, done, but, yeah. But they were. They were the best offensive line in football five years. Just like the, the last two Giants Super Bowl runs, especially the first one in 07, we had the best offensive line and the best defensive line in football. It's, it's, it's you know, football gets a lot. People make it more complicated than it is. If you have the best offensive line the best defensive line, you have a good chance to win. We also need a pass rush. So, like, if you go one offensive lineman and then a pass rusher, you know, the top two guys, Hutchinson and the kid from Oregon, probably aren't going to be there. But, you know, but Jobu from from Michigan is I don't know he might have rode uh, Hutchinson's coattails a little bit and that's why he was able to to do a lot. I also wouldn't be opposed to like how we did last year trading back, especially if, you know if you're going in this this season with Daniel Jones as your quarterback because it's a weak it's a weak quarterback draft this year. If you took a stud offensive lineman or a stud pass rusher at five and were able to to trade back and maybe get like a first round pick for next year to kind of maybe as an insurance policy for Daniel Jones in a stronger quarterback draft next year. I mean, it, it's an interesting, it's a good problem to have. You know, you have, you have two picks. You need two guys to come in right away and be, and be starters and be, you know, and really change the momentum of the way things are going. Yeah. I mean, especially if they're, they're going to be high picks. Um, all right. We'll, we'll get you out of here on this. So along with being a Giants fan, and we also know you're a big Yankee fan. What do the Yankees need to do as soon as this lockout is over? They need to start spending money. Seriously, How- right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like as bad as as bad as John Mara's been, like he he cares. I I, I start to, I start to wonder if Hal Steinbrenner cares. I he, he wanted no. I don't think he wanted any part of seceding George. I think they they wanted they, they gave Hank a shot. You know, God rest his soul. But you know, Hank Hank was like George without any of the uh, the good parts. You know. But yeah. We need we need to start spending money. Listen, I, I don't I don't like Carlos Correa if the whole Astros things obviously, but at this point I think you open up. We need a shortstop. You open up the pocketbook and and you, you give it to him. I know we have a lot of shortstops coming in in the pipeline in the farm system, but yeah, you know it, it's the Yankees. It's always it's always win now. So yeah, and Chris, I mean Chris Bryant's out there. I'm a big Chris Bryant fan. I feel like the Mets are trying to get him. I'm really nervous. You know me. I'm a Braves fan. I'm really worried about Freddie Freeman. Because I mean that that yeah. that right field porch is just oh my god I, could you imagine? Yeah, if I if I could have one, I love Freddie Freeman. If I could have one guy, I would say make it Freddie Freeman. I wouldn't mind resigning Rizzo, but I would much rather Freeman. I I never thought of him as a guy to leave Atlanta, but you know what? After winning the World Series, maybe he thinks he you know he's accomplished all he needed to do there. So I would I would absolutely love 
Freddie the Freeman. problem the problem is the Braves don't want to pay him. They they don't right. want they can't agree on the years, they can't agree on the dollars. And man, you got Boston and the Yankees out there like sharks. Because yeah. you know Rizzo and Freeman are the two first basemen that those three teams are looking at. I mean, the Yankees are not gonna let Freeman go to Boston. I mean, that would be a disaster. I mean, could you that's not I mean, the the Bronx would collapse if that happened. It would. It would be a disaster. And ten years ago, I would have said, "There's not a hope, hope in hell that it would happen." But with with the way they're doing things now, you know, they could lose a bidding war. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and this this was never this was never uh, possible back in the day. But now, I mean, I can't believe I can't believe what's happened so far. I mean, they missed out on so many guys. Um, they really did. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So we understand you spend most of your days working and hanging out with Ric Flair, the Tubby Hookcast, average. <laughs> but uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Feel free to plug your business and let people know how they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I work on Tubby Hook Tavern. It's on uh, it's forty nine forty six Broadway. It's in Inwood. It's uh, right off the two hundred seven Street. It's a good spot. Great food, burgers, wings, everything. The you know stellar staff. You know, obviously, because I'm there, you know. But, Every day. Uh, I, yeah, I work uh, one, Monday through Friday days, 11 to 6. But stop in anytime. Nights, weekends, everybody there is great. Awesome. Well, Danny, thanks for coming on today. And you too, anybody can come on the in route. And uh, we'll be happy to talk to you about sports and whatever you got going on in your life. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, bud. All right, man. See ya. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, guys and girls, you know how this goes. We put our poll up on Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ with our nominees for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. And once that poll goes up, you vote. And once you vote, we calculate. And then once we calculate, we award the ass. And do you know who won the ass last week, D? Was it the Joker? The Joker was two weeks ago. This past week, it was none other than Carson Wentz. Oh, Carson Wentz. How does that taste? How does that taste? Probably not very good. But it's not as good as a Philly cheesesteak. But uh, who are your nominees for the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award this week? Oh, Dave? you already know who I got. First, <laughs> Legend Superstar of the Week, J.J. Watt. Guy plays in seven games, has ten tackles, one sack, and has the audacity to call the Cardinals season a massive failure. Kyler Murray missed time, Hopkins missed time, Connor missed time, Edmonds missed time. This was the reason everyone was making excuses of your hot start, J.J. If the Cardinals bring you back, that would be a massive failure. J.J. Watt, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Next up, Dak Prescott. He run a quarterback draw on fourth down. Fourth down? No. He run a quarterback draw in the fourth quarter with only 14 seconds to go in the game. Subsequently, time runs out, and you encourage fans to throw trash, beer, and food at the refs on their way out of the stadium? You're the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Act like it, bro. 
Dak Prescott, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Kyler Murray, you're backed up on your own two-yard line. You drop back to pass. You feel pressure. You roll out to your right. You get hit rather than take a sack and a safety. All 5'10 of you decides to underhand the ball out of the end zone. And it leads to a big six. And now you're down by 21 points. Kyler Murray, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What say you, Z? All good choices. All good choices for sure. You got a couple of mine. You got a couple of mine. So, you know, <laughs> Murray, that was that was a pretty straightforward one. He played like absolute garbage. Dak Prescott, you're kidding me, right? Like, what more do we have to say about you're Mr. the quarterback Prescott? of the you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and you're encouraging fans to throw shit at refs. Are you like you're you're supposed to be like like are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, no. that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's no. But you know who else was embarrassing? Mike McCarthy. For not only coaching that stinker of a game, but then trying to throw the team under the bus. You heard about this, right? Oh, they they sound they looked intimidated even in pregame prayer, and I was worried. Really, bro? Really? <laughs> it sounds like you're just trying to back over them with the bus because you're trying to save your own pathetic ass. Mike McCarthy, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Novak Djokovic, you're on the list again, buddy, because not only did you get deported once, you got deported twice. Australia said, no, thank you, sir. They said, good day, mate. And they sent you packing. Novak Djokovic, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, Jerome Boger's crew. All of you. All of you, collectively. All of you. You're all All garbage. Back up the truck. Back Back it up. up. For stinking up the joint and blowing a crucial call. The crucial call in the Raiders-Bengals game. Jerome Boger's crew. You are my alleged superstar of the week. And, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for you to go to our Twitter page and vote. And for all of our nominees today. Just do better, boys. Just do better. Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to the Fade Store with DNZ.com today for all your Fade Route merch needs. I'm talking tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, like yoga pants, we got those too. Like some cool accessories, we got those too. And we're not done yet. We have so much more planned for you, but check out what we have today at the Fade Store with DNZ.com. That's the Fade Store with DNZ.com. Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. All right, brother. It is time for the option for the divisional round. How'd you do last week? 
Oh, I actually did pretty good. I went five and one. I only lost the uh, the Steeler game. It's a nice, nice job. I went four and two. Roll the dice a little bit. Roll the dice on the Raiders. Roll the dice on the Cardinals. And well, one of them was a complete overreach. The second one, as we know, thanks Jerome. But uh, Saturday, January twenty second. Speaking of the Bengals. 4.30 p.m., the Cincinnati Bengals at the number one Tennessee Titans. Who you got? Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Titans. Um, my whole thing is is Joe, Joe Burrow could throw a clunker in there every once in a while. And, you know, I just I don't believe in Cincinnati's defense. I think they have a whole ton of talent on offense, but I don't believe in, believe on, believe in them on defense. And uh, especially if... Uh, King Henry is returning. And then as far as the defensive side of the ball for the Titans, they have some first rounders on that offensive, on that defensive line. They're going to be ready to play. So I'm taking the Titans. I'm going to go with the Titans as well. Like you have Landry, you have Bud Dupree, you have Kevin Byard. You have guys on defense that can go for the ball as well as go for the quarterback. So that's something that's definitely going to work in their favor. And Derrick Henry, like, even without Derrick Henry, the Titans were still able to run their offense. Now, getting him back is a luxury. So we'll see what Derrick Henry actually is. But I think that they'll still be able to work over the Bengals and get to the next round. Saturday night is all right. The San Francisco 49ers go into Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. Um, and uh, I really want to take the 49ers, but I'm going to go with the Packers. I don't know Nick Bosa's status. I don't know Fred Warner's status. I know Jimmy G's status. <laughs> and... He's just going to give the game away. That's kind of what his M.O. is, whether he's healthy or not. He did it in the Super Bowl. He tried to do it last week. It gives you pause, which makes him perfect for the Cleveland Browns. They lose, and then they trade Jimmy G to Cleveland, like we've been saying. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day. Packers win pretty handily. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. The L.A. Rams go into Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not betting against Tom, so taking Tom. This is going to be the game of the week right here. I mean, you have a star-studded Rams team. The Buccaneers are a little wounded right now. If they get Fournette and Rojo back, it's a little, you know, I have a little less pause but that being said Tom Brady Matthew Stafford need I say more I'm taking Tom Brady and the Bucks. and your Sunday night game the Buffalo Bills go into Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs the Bills I'm a believer wow Ah, this is going to be, this is another one that's got game of the week potential for sure. You know, the Bills seem to be firing on all cylinders. Are they going to be able to go and slay the dragon? 
but I'm not sure. You know, as much as I would like to, the Chiefs are humming. And once the Chiefs' offense is humming, they are really hard to stop. So I'm going to take the Chiefs on this one. This has been the Fade Route with D&Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.